High Five Gear is a proud sponsor of Above180.com. H5G has thousands of designs to choose from and no hidden artwork fees. How awesome is that? Show your individuality and have your jersey tell your story. Online, you can order at www.high5gear.com today. Don't let fashion pass you by. Add H5G into your wardrobe and show off your individuality. Use code ABOVE180 at checkout for $20 off any H5G style. Thank you to all of our supporters and our fans. We appreciate it. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me in the Above180.com podcast is Chuck Gardner. Chuck is a coaching and pro staff manager for Brunswick Bowling. He's also the president of Bowl for Life. Chuck, it's Tim Berg here. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, Chuck. Well, this is um, we we've chatted over the years a number of times. This time is going to be one of the um, a different podcast that we're going to do, as we're going to be remembering a lot of of the the things that Mo Pinnell brought to the bowling game and the bowling industry. So I want to begin with that, and I also want to say the purpose of the show and us talking is not to make this about us. It's more to highlight, in my opinion, how the, the importance of Mo Pinnell and, and the technologies and everything he brought to the sport of bowling that we both love so dearly. So uh, with that, I want to begin, Chuck, I guess, by saying what are what are some of your fondest memories of Mo and, and all of your interactions? And I'm sure you've had a ton of them. Yeah, my interactions with Mo go back, uh, you know, close to 40 years. And, uh, I, I can honestly say that, uh, I would not be where I am in this industry without Mo. Um, he taught me so much. And I, I think, I think there's been a lot of focus on all the amazing things he's done in the industry as far as ball technology and, and just all the innovations that he's been a part of or he's made happen but i think one of the things that we might have missed a little bit so far from what i hear from folks and i'm, I'm really glad that you uh you are interested in hearing about this part of it is just how much he affected so many people directly um you know myself and del warren and kelly bednar and just so many people chris hans just people that you can think about that he had very personal relationships with and uh, actually helped us help guide our careers and help guide us in the knowledge that we can now pass on to other people within the industry. And uh, you know, the, the last couple weeks have been really tough, you know, uh, talking to him on the phone uh, when he was able um, 
you know, texting back and forth while he was in the hospital and obviously spending time, you know, with Monica and Brian and, and Mikey and just trying to just help them and, and, and help ourselves, honestly, uh, get through it. It's, uh, it's been really difficult, but you know, he wouldn't, he would not want us. And, you know, I've had this conversation with Dell. He would not want us to, to mope around and, uh, and, and, and not take what we've learned and continue to pass that on even during these really tough times. Well, in, in all the names there you mentioned, everyone has their philosophies on whether it's coaching or, or layouts or core design, but people always respected everyone's opinion, and that that's not always like that in every industry. People, A lot of more industries are more cutthroat than what bowling can be, and there can be some of that a little bit in bowling, obviously, too, but it seemed like everyone respects everyone's opinion, and everyone respected Mo's opinion on things, even if they maybe weren't always 100% on board with it. Absolutely. Um, the, the reality is is Mo, Mo was a tough guy. Uh, Mo... And, and I, and I don't, and I don't want that to sound like a, like a knock. Um, he's one of the kind hearted, most gentle people in the whole world when he's your friend. But when, when it came down to the industry and his beliefs and what he, how his vision was, you know, he, he could be a little brash sometimes, you know, uh, one of his favorite things to say is, you know, yeah, you, you have your opinion, you have the right to be wrong. <laughs> and it was always, it always kind of caught me off guard and it was, uh, but it was one of his favorite things to say. Um, I've heard him say it to many people over the years and yet those people still respect him because of all the things that he's done and the things that he's given us as far as tools. I, I'll never, you know, I, I was watching a video this morning where they, they spoke to him about the, uh, about the armadillo. I will never forget that as long as I live. We were, we were in Long Island, New York, uh, sitting in a, in a little bar. I, I think it was an Applebee's to be honest. It might've been a Bennigan's something along those lines, one of the chains. And, uh, it was late at night and, uh, you know, we'd been talking for a while and, uh, might've had a cool beverage or two. And, uh, he pulled out a napkin and just started drawing on the napkin. And, uh, we were talking about ideas and how we could, you know, make it easier to find PAPs because that's easy. And, and so he drew it all on a napkin. And next thing you know, within a couple of months, we had the armadillo and still today it's sold. And, and still today it's used by almost every pro shop operator in the country. Another thing Mo was so instrumental in was core design and thinking, just, I mean, outside the box sort of thinking, and, and a lot of people have their uh, thoughts on core design, but he really was a trailblazer when it came to that as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he has designed some of the biggest selling balls in the history of our sport. Um, I, I, I think to this day, the Sumo was the, is the biggest selling ball ever. And the sumo was his design, and obviously the 3D offset was probably not far behind it. And uh, so it's it's yeah, it's his 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 participation in that side of the sport 
probably changed it more than anything else he did. Um, he really understood the physics of the ball sh- of the core shapes, not just the numbers. And he always understood that if you can't get a ball to read the mid lane, it won't continue. So he made sure that most of his cores read the mid lane in a strong fashion. And along those same lines, um, back in 2012, and this is still on, on the website now on Above180.com over the summer, we did a series called Ball Drilling for Dummies. That was back when, you know, that was a thing, when it was, you know, computers for dummies, et cetera. You remember when that was kind of the phrase that people were using. So me and my co-host at the time, Joe Sarar, sat down and we we talked to Mo probably an hour and a half where we did these shows and we released them in 30-minute increments over the course of uh, August that month. But one of the other things he discussed, and we discussed, you know, we discussed a lot of uh, te- drilling techniques and stuff that, you know, now it's it's commonplace and people accept these ideas, but they weren't always accepted. And again, he was on the forefront of of uh, techniques. And, and I guess you want to say, like you said, the physics of things and always trying something a little bit different and, and seeing if it worked. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think he... He was the first person to utilize the dual angle layout. Um, and, and he, he taught that to me and, and I've taught it to hundreds and hundreds of pro shop operators over the years. And, and I, I, I really got to enjoy my time, uh, with him, uh, with him and Hank Boomershine and a couple other folks teaching the Ipsia advanced class. That was a lot of fun. And, and that was for the pro shop operators that really wanted to get down and dirty and understand all the real whys of how things happened. And, uh, there weren't a lot of people that took that course over the years and they ended up not having it anymore. I think because of lack of attendance. Um, but, but it was a great course and, and it was an absolute pleasure to get to teach that with Mo and Hank and, and just so many of the, uh, industry leaders, but, yeah, he, he's the first one that really tried to let people understand that pin down bowling balls transition slower than pin up bowling balls. And it was, you know, everybody thought, well, pin up ball goes longer and, 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 and hooks harder and it's this and that. And, you know, they, they thought that the pin down balls were early hooking and they didn't really understand that they just transition so much slower than pin up balls. And it, but he, he taught us these things and, uh, things that are common knowledge today, uh, 25 or 30 years ago were thought to be like, Oh, how's that? And, uh, it, it's, it's kind of interesting and, and it's, it's a lot of fun, uh, to think back of the times that we spent together, you know, touring the country, uh, teaching. And most of the time I was learning. Um, but I was kind of his sidekick and, and, uh, and, and I, I got to spend a lot of time with him and, uh, lots of adventures that we, you know, probably don't want to talk about on the podcast, but a lot of adventures that were really meaningful to the bowling industry too. So obviously we know Mo was full of adventure. That, that is the truth. Again, Chuck Gardner joining me here on the podcast. I, I'm also going to direct people. Bob Johnson with the Bowler's Journal did a really good article 
regarding some of the things and some of the things we aren't discussing regarding the the legacy. So if I'm going to link to that in the in the podcast description as well. But one of the things Bob mentioned, and I kind of forgot about this, was um, when Mo was uh, going towards or, or aiming to get this system of bowling implemented by the ABC, and it was the ABC and the uh, Women's International Bowling Congress, and that was one of his big things. What what do you remember about that um, Mo's, you know, uh, again, his uh, wanting this idea and having this idea of this is something that bowling needed. Well, I can tell you this. He was passionate about it. That is a fact. Um, you know, I, I think I think it ended up uh, turning into some other things that the USBC ended up using later. Um, and and I, I think that he, he spurred it on enough to get people at least interested, whether they were, whether they were really on board outside, uh, in, in, in public. Um, I'm not sure how many people really bought in, but I will tell you, there was a lot of interest and a lot of conversations that happened, um, with Mo and, and lots of other people in the industry that it spurred on other ideas that made, made some things really you know, it actually changed some things in the industry. And we really learned about what were the biggest factors in ball motion and what really uh, entertained the reaction that we saw on the lane. It, it kind of cured a lot of myths about, you know, side weight and, and top weight and all those things. And it, it just led to a lot of different things that we learned. Well, exactly. And that's, you know, in my conversations with Mo, it's even if his ideas weren't always implemented right away, it's like you said, it's planting that seed that maybe something could be done to, to make, you know, to further the sport and grow the sport. And he certainly wasn't a guy who wanted his name out on front of things either. I mean, he just, it was everything he was doing was for the, the betterment of the game and continuing our sport. Oh, absolutely. You know, he, he has, he had a philosophy that I think he, he kind of, Everybody that was part of his uh, followers, or I don't even know what if you call it follower, people that learned from him, that that are impactful still in the sport. Um, Mo understood what we need is more people bowling more and enjoying the sport more, and if they had a little bit more knowledge, that that they could advance a little bit more in the sport by understanding what was truly happening instead of this, this perceived myth and this, uh, uh, cloak of, of confusion, you know, he wanted people to understand the sport more. And, uh, and I, I say it all the time, all we need to fix this sport and make it even greater than it is today is more people bowling more often and enjoying the sport more and, and everything gets fixed instead of battling, uh, ball companies battling for market share and, and proprietors battling other proprietors to to get a league from another from another center or something like that. Why don't we just continue to try and grow the sport and and get more people doing it? And uh, and I think that's really important. And and that was kind of Mo's message. And he believed people stayed in the sport if they understood it and they had an avenue to figure out a way to get better. Before our time is up, I have to remind folks, please check out BowlingThisMonth.com, bowling's best and most comprehensive technical resource, all at your fingertips. 
You can get a look at the ball reviews down your left-hand side. Lots of featured articles up there. Everything you need at your fingertips. Lots of great stuff to help you take your game to that next level. Seeing the BTM book report is on the mental game. 90% mental, a great read there for folks looking to improve their mental game. The PWBA roundtable is back, so check all of that out. Again, everything at your fingertips, bowlingthismonth.com. And as you get back out on the lanes, please remember, check out h5gbrands.com, your one-stop shop for your dye-supplemented jerseys. Maybe you want a PBA replica jersey, all of that stuff at your fingertips, h5gbrands.com. No hidden artwork fees, thousands of designs to choose from. They walk you through the very straightforward process and, uh, and get that jersey made for you. Also, if you're heading out to nationals, to state tournament, to city tournament, you guys want to look sharp, check out H5G Brands. They'll work with you on getting your team jerseys, seeing uh, all sorts of stuff. Again, if you're a high school bowler, Wisconsin High School Bowling Championships, get your jerseys there. They're, uh, they're all there at your fingertips. All sorts of uh, jerseys you need. Everything all at your fingertips. Use promo code ABOVE180. That's promo code ABOVE180. That will get you $20 off your order. Again, check out h5gbrands.com. One of the, the later things in, in Mo's uh, career that he was doing was, was being associated with Brunswick's radical brand and doing uh, new ball introductions, doing his uh, Mo Monday presentations that were very popular on YouTube and everything. And, and it seemed like, you know, through all the changes this industry has had, Mo's always been a part of them, and it just shows the value of a guy like that. And, and can you talk um, finally, Chuck, about some of the Mo's influence there with you guys up in Michigan and Brunswick, and, and regarding that radical brand because that was something that was very near and dear to his heart as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, him and Phil were were kind of a little bit of an odd couple, and Brian Graham kind of had the foresight to put the two of those together, and and Phil. You know, Phil handled his side of the business, but Mo, Mo was the Pied Piper of the brand, and and I think it's going to be really important for all of us uh, who are associated with Brunswick and the Radical brand to continue doing the things that Mo did. Mo was on the road all the time, you know, uh, doing little uh, small sessions with groups of of even twenty people at pro shops and teaching them about ball dynamics and teaching them how the radical brand could help their game. Uh, they really focused the radical brand on the everyday bowler. And they, we have a, we have Andrew Anderson on the tour. He's a wonderful pro staffer, one of the greatest talents out here, but the radical brand was really driven uh, to help the average league bowler create shapes that they couldn't create with some of the other brands because of the types of cores he used and the things that he did. So he's, he's a huge part of the Brunswick family and uh, he will be sorely missed. I will tell you that. And, but I will tell you something else. There's a lot of, a lot of cores already in the hopper that Mo had been working on. And uh, you know, there's probably a, a couple of years if I was to guess of cores already in the hopper that, that Mo is already designed. And, uh, then that we need to figure out which covers roll best with them and figure out how to utilize them and continue putting those in the radical brand, uh, until we figure out, you know, what the long-term direction is going to be with the radical brand. 
And Chuck, I want to uh, end with, with two notes. Number one, um, a scholarship uh, honoring Mo is being set up by uh, Bowl for Life, and uh, uh, which was founded by yourself and your family. So can you briefly talk about that? In lieu of flowers, they're asking for, uh, the family is asking for donations to, uh, to Bowl for Life. So can you go into a little bit more detail on how people listening can do that? Sure, absolutely. Um, they can go to any of the links. Actually, um, even Rob Johnson, uh, Bob Johnson, excuse me, put a link with his with his article he wrote. Uh, it links to the Bull for Life Foundation, and you can donate any amount. And what we are doing, uh, we are matching every donation dollar for dollar. Um, and my family is doing that. So I I believe I believe we're. I believe we're close to $10,000 right now in donations already. So if, you know, I hope we get to $10,000 and maybe even more, uh, that would mean we would be um, giving away $20,000 in scholarships to, in honor of Mo. And uh, the foundation gives every dollar that it ever gets uh, back in scholarships. There are no fees. There are no, nothing taken out of the Bowl for Life Foundation for anything. Uh, every dollar of the foundation's expenses are paid by my family. And uh, so every dollar we get as far as sponsorships, selling merchandise or anything else um, gets given away in scholarships still to this day. And, it, and it, it'll always be that way as long as, as long as I'm around. And, uh, you know, Mo was a big fan of young people. Um, my wife said something and, and I saw Bob actually quoted her in there. didn't really say it was her, but, that Mo believed in us before we even believed in ourselves. And, and that is something that really transcended our relationship. You know, he spent many, many nights in our home and uh, talking about what he saw in myself and other people that he helped get where they are and uh, how we could influence the industry. And, and I'm honored that his family wants uh, wants Bowl for Life to do this, and it's our honor to do it. And I encourage people, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, jump on and donate five dollars. You know, I, it doesn't have to be a huge number. Donate five dollars, but uh, we we need to um, honor Mo and give some kids a chance to help them get to college and pay some expenses. Even though there's a lot of scholarships today, it's still very costly for families to send their kids to school. And there will be, I will add a link as well to where folks can donate in the podcast description as well. So you'll be able to find it as well. If you go to this on above180.com and the podcast link, you know, a lot of people listen to uh, through iTunes and through other places where they get their favorite podcast. But if you go to the website, the link will be there as well for folks to uh, to find. Um, on a final note, Chuck, I know you were down at the World Series of Bowling, so I very much appreciate your time. Very long and busy days for you guys down there, uh, just in what you're doing during, during that uh, very busy week. I just would like to get now that uh, I'd like to get your overall impressions of things so far and what you're seeing from the players and and uh, and for folks who can't be down there, obviously watching a lot of people watching on Flow Bowling. But what are uh, just a few of your quick impressions on uh, on the things going on at the World Series during the qualifying? Well, uh, you know the cheetah pattern played pretty pretty easy. Um, not quite as normal as not quite as easy as it normally is because uh, 
And, you know, this Bowling Center is inherently very hard to strike in. Uh, the scores have been a little lower, um, way different than Jupiter. Uh, last week at the Tournament of Champions, if your ball hit the 1-3 in Jupiter, it struck. Uh, here, it better hit the 1-3 running over the 8 uh, if you want it to strike. Um, not a lot of off, off hits, so it's kept the cor- scoring pace down. Chameleon was very difficult. And, uh, and actually Scorpion played the toughest of them all, um, because, you know, Scorpion, you had to get your angles open and the front of the lane hooks a lot in this place. Um, they've been unbelievable hosts. They're great people. They've treated us like a million dollars, but, uh, there's a few guys that have dominated and it's, you know, EJ Tackett, uh, Tom Doherty, um, Bill O'Neill. Uh, those guys have been you know, their first, second, and third in the world championships. But it was kind of cool last night to see the scoring pace as low as it was. It only took, it took 94 over uh, for 10 games to make the top 16. So, I mean, that is a really low scoring pace for only 16 players getting there. And it was kind of neat to see Walter Ray and Pete Weber both make that top 16. Kind of cool. And uh, I was really hoping, to be honest with you, that they would have been matched up in the first bracket match. That would have been really cool. <laughs> but uh, Jason Sterner is 30th in the world championship, and he's only 120 pins out of 16th. So it's pretty bunched up. So today is going to be really interesting to battle in the world championships uh, to get to the top 16, 10 games today. And then we'll... Uh, We'll see what happens after that. All right. Well, Chuck Gardner, again, very much do appreciate your time down there putting in long days. And uh, and great you had a chance to catch up before things get started there. So, Chuck Gardner, thank you for joining us and, and sharing everything regarding Mo Pinnell. Again, something uh, I've uh, I've been thinking of doing was, uh, you know, when I heard the news of, of doing a little remembrance and and uh, and highlighting some of the things, uh, some of the men. And we could have probably went on for an hour with everything if we really wanted to get mm-hmm. into everything. But um but uh, we got into it as uh, as much as we could here regarding Mo and and again thank you for your time and uh, and all the best of luck and um, and just let's uh, like you said let's get that scholarship fund to over ten and I think um, I think we're it's I think we might be heading closer to fifteen if all if all things are said and done here and people keep uh, keep donating so thank you Chuck absolutely my pleasure thanks for having me.